0: Hello and welcome to the Data Busters podcast, the podcast for all things school data. With the manic five weekends in two weeks fast approaching, it's time to put down the tinsel, grab a mince pie, and pull up a chair for the next half hour. The autumn term is almost over. Let's rejoice. This month we'll be having an in-depth look at the DfE's recently updated primary school's performance tables, which are available on all good web browsers near you we're also going to look at what everyone needs to know about the phonic screening check. I'm Richard Selfridge, author of Data Busting for Schools, and joining me, as always, is Jamie Pembroke, data buster extraordinaire, insight facilitator, and all-round data guru. Morning, Jamie. What's up? You all right? Hello there. I'm all well, not too bad at all. Looking forward Marvellous. to uh, end of term and shenanigans beyond that. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, um, otherwise, all is good. And uh, I think one of the most interesting things which we've been doing since the last broadcast was, again, getting Data Busters out on tour. We've been to Boston, we've been to Northampton yep. um, and talking to teachers. And um, I've been talking to people all around the country. And obviously, we've been spreading the word of sensible use of data. Yes. Um, and listen to what's kind of occupying people's minds in the first third of the academic year. What's, what's your uh, um, take? What have people, people been bringing up with you? Well, I,
1: I think that the, uh, the, the, the Ofsted thing rumbles on. So <laughs> that's, that's obviously a big thing. Uh, yeah. Ofsted, you know, n- n- that the decision not to look at schools' internal data has really sort of uh, thrown things up in the air and thrown a spanner in the works and, and what have you. And so schools are still now you know, re- thinking about what, how, how they should be collecting data, what data they should be collecting, should be collecting any data at all. Uh, mm-hmm. But the great thing is that schools are now reevaluating the purpose of data. So it it, it is giving them that, as we talked about before, it's giving that opportunity to think about that, um, think about why they collect data, what they use the data for, uh, possibly reduce the amount, um, change the focus away from accountability, more towards sort of teaching and learning as it should be. So hopefully sort of starting to get systems uh, in order. I think there are still a lot of schools that are running to catch up with this and maybe some that are, you know, just... uh, uh, putting the blinks on, putting the hands over their ears and just carrying mm. on regardless, carrying on with our old processes that they've been doing for donkey's yeah. years. So, mm. But evidently, there are a lot of schools that are having a good old think about this, which is a good
0: thing, positive Absolutely. Thing. And yeah, your experience will be similar to mine, going into schools and talking to people. And you can see that, that most of the messages seem to have got through to people, that we are well beyond levels by now. You shouldn't be recreating that. You should be having a really good think about what, information are you collating what are you gathering what are you doing some analysis with and what are you yeah. going to do with that information um, and that's again it's it's i am almost i'm almost shocked at how much better the position is now compared to let's say four or five years ago but there's still quite a lot of work to be done
1: but then yes true uh, absolutely but then there are evidently a lot of schools that are still stuck in that kind of levels world uh, mm-hmm. i have conversations with head teachers. Um, senior leaders regularly um, through worker insight and Hmm. and it does surprise me that there are still schools that are um, for for, for whom the the, the main purpose of their tracking is is to measure progress and in order to measure progress they are having to come up with some kind of abstract kind of scale Uh, they're still counting points three four point scales four points progress per year bonus point for mastery after Easter, that sort of thing. That's still very common. Six-point scales, still very common. Point half term, even decimal scales. You know, children are <laughs> apparently going 2.1, 2.2, 2.3, 2.4, up to 2.9, starting year three on 3.0. 3. You know, yeah. that is still happening. And, and so schools are still really, really into measuring progress. And, and, uh, and I have tried to say, you know, it's liberating. Yeah. Once you accept that progress is not something that you can measure mm. or easily measure, particularly with teacher assessment, which is actually, by mm. definition, incredibly broad and incredibly subjective, that we can't really convert a teacher assessment into a number for this purpose. Once you accept that, yeah. then you can move away from these things and you can start to get things right. But until mm. you accept that, you're probably just going to continue to be entrenched in this world of levels they're not even sub levels actually when you're starting to get down to those sort of measures that i just talked about you're talking about sub 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 levels
0: so yes absolutely it's and still if, going if, on. If, if you are listening to this and wondering you know if things are still happening in your school or in um you know in your mat or whatever that, that in your local authority that aren't quite right come along to one of our data busting days yes. or get one of us in because because it is it's been fascinating seeing the looks on people's faces they begin to realize oh Okay, so we could do it differently, and there is a way of doing things that will yeah. still give us useful yeah. information which we can act on. When, so when you do
1: these things and, yeah. and then you, you look at people's faces and you yeah. can see people kind of like looking and oh no, and they're sort of shaking their head, looking down, yeah, we yeah. do that. We um, do that, exactly. We but, best move but, on. Yeah, exactly. we, we, need, we need people to come along to these things and engage in this conversation. And, and mm. as I say, it is definitely happening. Mm. Um, and we're seeing this insight. We're seeing more and more schools moving away from those kind of uh, those traditional ways of tracking and starting to look at, right, OK, what is actually useful? What tells our teachers something? You yeah. know, so let's focus on that. Let's be really quite ruthless. That was in that, 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 mm. that, was in that um, data management report in 2016, wasn't it? Mm. The, uh, be ruthless. Only collect what data is needed to support children's learning. You know, And I think that schools
0: are starting to do that. But not all and we need all schools to do it exactly we do um and then one of the other things which obviously because we've now had a um the first uh, release of um, statistical release of the Ofsted inspections for the autumn term yes um and uh that was quite interesting because we heard from Sean Harford Ofsted's National Director of Education that he wrote a blog piece which I'll put in the show notes um uh and he was saying that so far Schools with more pupils from deprived backgrounds are still less likely to be judged good yeah. than those yeah. more affluent backgrounds under the EIF, just as they were under the last framework. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, yeah, yeah. it's depressing, but it's not surprising. And it's always no. been that way. So, yeah. yeah. And Sean is acknowledging that. He's saying that at some point, I, mean, I think you, you are. It's the nature of um, of the inspection framework. I think, you know, the positive is that for a lot of schools, they they just not having to have the conversations that they were having. But again, if you're in a school in trying circumstances, difficult circumstances, um, and if you are going to be judged on the outcome of your pupils, it's highly likely. And the evidence shows yeah. that it's, it's much harder for you to, uh, to convince Ofsted in their initial checking exercise that, that you're doing a good job. Yeah. But we'll see how that develops over time. Again, so I don't think it's, it's any massive surprise, um, but we'll see how that develops.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm keen to explore more. And I, I think we we're going to mention that, you know, the Ofsted Info uh, yeah. website that, we, we, yeah, that we've absolutely, brought out. Yeah, because that's really useful. So, yeah, I mean, mm. it, at the moment, version one. Um, mm. But I think version two, we do want to start doing some more analysis along those sorts of lines. So linking, um, yeah. uh, link, linking the outcomes so uh, explain, to, so... to results and to, to, and, and to sort of deprivation as well, all of which is yeah. out there in the public domain, which can feed into that. So explain, what, what, what does the website do? Right. So, I mean, Ofsted Info really is just, uh, uh, well, just. Um, So, it's an online database of Ofsted inspections that we've developed at Insight. It's completely free. Um, We're not making any money out of it. It's a free tool. Mm -hmm. So, you can go in and you can put in your local authority from drop down. So, it's ofsted.info. That's that's the web address, ofsted.info. Uh, you, you put in your local authority. You then choose mm-hmm. a school, your school or, or any school. And yeah. uh, you can see uh, the Ofsted inspections that have happened in a particular time frame. So by default, uh, it will be within the last year, including mm-hmm. the latest data release. So it's obviously more recent inspections that, that have happened this term. Um, mm-hmm. And you can then shift that timeline so you can choose a particular uh, timeline. So it's so time frame. So it could be from the beginning of this term mm-hmm. or. For example, if, if you were last inspected back in 2015, you can mm. put a time frame around your last inspection in 2015 and you can see the schools that were inspected in that time frame. So you can see all mm. the schools that are inspected in your area around that kind of time frame. And then you can filter it again to see of those schools that were last inspected around the same time as you, which mm. ones have since been reinspected and when or those that were last inspected around the same time as you that have not been re-inspected. So they might be like due as well. So you're thinking we're due Mm. inspection. Oh, and these schools are also due. Uh, Mm. And then there are links to the performance table. So you can see the results, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, Mm. And there's links to the Ofsted website for each school as well. You just click on on those links and you can get down to those schools reports. Uh, You can Mm. expand the search to by area. So you can say within 10 miles of my school, um, inspections are within 20 miles, wherever you've got a little slider. And you can sort the inspections by distance or by date or by mm. outcome or whatever. So it's really just taking that data in the management information, the, the offset of management information release, mm. and putting it into a much more accessible uh, online intuitive database. Um, so there, there, yeah, do, do check it out. Um, yeah, we've good got stuff. some ideas for version two, but at mm-hmm. the moment, it, it's literally like a, a filterable, uh, easy to use table.
0: Mm. And it's neat,
1: yeah. It's really neat.
0: Yeah. Good, and I, I, I'm sure schools will find it useful just because again, you know, we're all. everybody doesn't want to be. Nobody wants to be too far away from the flock. We want to know what's happening. Yeah, if you can find out who is being inspected near yeah. to you, um, yeah, very useful. And, and, and
1: Ofsted release that they, they they update that data every month. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's been a delay because we've had the new um, framework and obviously we've had the summer holidays and I know we're in December now so why are mm-hmm. we talking about summer holidays? There's always this big delay but, um, th- but I think that there might have been an additional delay because of the, um, the new framework as well I'm not, I'm not really sure but, but we've yeah. just had this new release which has got data for um, the start from September up to November so that's good so we've got like a big chunk of data there and then it should be updated regularly from now on so as the data yeah. comes out it will be pulled automatically into Ofsted Info uh, and and then we can sort of keep up keep up to date and then watch this space so i also i think you know governors as well should be a useful tool for mm. governors so
0: they can see what's going on in their area excellent good stuff now uh, we were also we were going to discuss progress issues in secondary this month because the secondary IDSR oh, yeah. is out <laughs> but the, but the data it doesn't seem to be particularly enlightening that data I, I, that great tweet um, peter atherton who tweets at uh, data Ed, educator yes um, he was saying that he thinks that idsr should stand for i don't seem relevant
1: or it don't seem relevant. It does not seem yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that's that's fair Mm. enough. I mean, I I don't I I haven't really got an experience of the of the secondary um, IDSR. I confess, Mm. Um, I've I've seen plenty of uh, primary school IDSRs on the whole, and and we'll talk about this um, when we we talk about the performance tables in a bit because that that kind of uh, that format that they're moving towards. Mm. I I kind of like it, you know. I like that Mm. narrative. Uh, based approach, um, it it uh, cuts through a lot. I mean, I, I I talk about governor training a lot. I talk about governors a lot. I am a governor, uh, mm. and um, I, I think that having something like that is so obvious. You go here is uh, a few pages that describes how we see your school, your your performance, and we describe it rather than just having these kind of abstract numbers. You know, well, what, what do they think? I mean, do these numbers, are, are they good? Are they bad? I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> um, so <laughs> yep. it's, it's, it's less open to interpretation now. It is yeah. interpreted for you. And I, I kind of like that. It, it, it takes the ambiguity out of it. Um, which yeah. the problem with Rays was, you know, hundred odd pages long, and you still, mm. by the end of it, think I have no idea <laughs> what any of this means, and what ofsted are going to think of all this. So, yeah.
0: what you did think was probably distorted or, and you know, possibly inaccurate as well. Exactly. Oh well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, fair enough. And uh, the other thing was because um, we're going to talk about the um, the performance tables because yes. there was the big data dump which came out on Friday the thirteenth. That's always a good day. Mm. Um, so, Friday the thirteenth of December, um, we got an overview of this year's phonic screening check, which we're we also going to look at a bit later in the podcast. So, Jamie, let's talk about the DfE's primary performance tables, which is essentially, it's a huge database of interesting, I mean, interesting to say the least, um, data which is collected by schools. And then it's passed on to the DfE and it includes results. I and mean, it's got everything. It's got Key Stage 2 um, tests in reading and maths and spelling, punctuation, grammar. And it's got teacher assessments in writing and science. And then it's got those with Key Stage 1 teacher assessments, which you can't see, but it uses those to create progress measures from Key yes. Stage 1 to Key Stage 2. And then we also get data on all kinds of stuff, school expenditure, staffing levels, pupil-to-teacher ratios, salaries. Yep. You can find out, you know, how much schools have paid per pupil on supply teachers, pupil characteristics, absences, and Ofsted gradings. Yes. So it's got all of that stuff in, the, in there. Well, kind of nearly. Nearly. <laughs> yeah, um, nearly, um, exactly. It, it, it doesn't have...
1: For primary, it doesn't have ground punctuation and spelling and science. Yeah. Well, yeah, OK, if you if you download the data that underlies it all, and it's yeah. an absolutely enormous spreadsheet, and you need to download the metadata as well to actually make sense of what the columns mean, because yep. there's, there's about a thousand different columns. Yep. Um, but, but most people, when they look at the performance tables, will just see mm. um, quite a simple... There are, there are seven measures for primary. Yep. There are seven awesome. measures. Um, and those seven measures are... Uh, the percentage of children achieving the expected standard in reading, writing, and maths combined, not individual subjects. The Mm -hmm. percentage of children achieving the high standard in reading, writing, and maths combined, not Mm. individual subjects. The progress measures in reading, writing, and maths separately. And then the average scaled score in reading and in maths separately uh, compared to the – and those percentages and averages, those are compared to – Uh, local authority and um, national figures. They show uh, the progress measures are shown to be significantly above or below. They don't call it significantly above. They say well above, which is significantly above and in the top 10 percent above, which is significantly above, but not in the top 10 percent average, i.e. confidence interval in line with zero, um, you know. Talk yeah. about this, anyway. um, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. then below below average orange. Mm. So this is getting you to the danger zone, significantly yeah. below, but not in the bottom ten percent of schools, and then uh, well below red, significantly yeah. below, and in the bottom ten
0: percent. So, which, so that's just that only that measure the which they to... use for lots of things, don't they? Is that where they split yeah. things in? Some previous podcasts, but you know they use significant in the way which they do, which yeah, just means... Yeah, but they don't it...
1: use significant here, even mm. though there's oh, confidence no, no, at all. And mm. even though we, we know that that's what they are talking yeah. about, they yeah. are talking about um, statistical significance, they yeah. just call it well below, because uh, they've got that additional 10% threshold thing on, well below, yeah. below, average, above, and well above, average. And they put some nice colours on it, and they have mm. those text descriptors, and they have mm. the numbers on there as well. And they do the same for progress eight. So yeah. you'll have three of those for primary, reading, writing, mm. and math separate. Um, but for um, secondary, they do it for progress eight. So it's a single figure for, yeah. for, for secondary. Uh, they also have the percentage EBAC. Uh, they yeah. have the percentage English and maths, five or above. Uh, those are compared to national and local authority, I think. Uh, and they have the attainment eight. So there's four key measures for, sure. um, for secondary yeah. uh, schools. Um, secondary stuff comes out uh, earlier, doesn't it? They bring it, it out does, pretty quickly. Yeah yeah well uh, but primary we have to wait until the data the checking exercise is closed the data's mm. been validated so we don't get it until now so it came out uh, primary came out last week so there is this That's big right. delay
0: mm. yeah and now. it's 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 fascinating because there's a huge amount of information within these tables and it's a it's a data table it's lots of information there um but they um but they clearly steer you towards the overall performance well of course uh, yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's, so that's...
1: the key measures those are the reg those are the statutory measures those are the reg those are the measures that the mm. dfe have sort of deemed uh, to be those those main reg- which which are, uh, by the way um those those main measures are the ones that by law schools have to link to or have on on their websites yeah, um, yeah. but it is only uh, obviously for um, secondary schools it's GCSE mm. results mm-hmm. and if they've got a sixth form they'll have their um, a level results in there as well sure um, that is right isn't it they, they've got the they've yeah. Got, yeah they've got the sixth form results mm-hmm. in there as well mm. um, and then the, the primary schools it's only key stage two so obviously yeah. there are four statutory assessment points mm. uh, in a primary school Key Stage mm. 2, that's in the performance tables. Key Stage 1 is not, except as you, you, know, as, except as you alluded to earlier, that, that mm. as, as, as part of the, the prior attainment. So you can look up, for the, for the Key Stage 2 cohort, yes. you can look up their breakdown by prior attainment, how many of them were low, mid, or high prior attainers based on Key Stage 1. So mm. you can access that, but it doesn't tell you what the Key Stage 1 results were. Mm. Like in 2019, you couldn't see what um, you know, Leafy Green Primary School's Key Stage 1 results were in 2019. You can't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't mm-hmm. see the phonics results and you can't yeah. see, see the percentages meeting good level of development um, in, in the foundation stage profile you know, in the reception year. You can't, no. you, you can't see that. So they don't have that data. And that's not in the data that underlies it either. So even if you mm-hmm. download the massive, great beast of a spreadsheet, you can't get that data in there either.
0: <laughs> no, it's not in there, is it? So yeah, it's so definitely it's a...
1: about key stage two for primaries and about GCSEs,
0: but obviously for secondary exactly and the focus is definitely on um overall performance as in as in yes. results in, in um, assessments because yeah you can get all that information about absence and pupil population you can and again yeah it's a it's a strange beast isn't it because um i don't i think you're probably the same as me i really enjoy every now and again wasting a, a period of time just oh, yes. going and digging into it because you can oh, yeah. find all kinds of things about well, workforce and finance.
1: well yeah i yeah. mean I, I don't i suppose I, i'm not I, yeah. I don't tend to look at that as much. I, I oh, yeah. You see,
0: I do. I, then, You should yeah. do that. You can go in there and you can find, because you can find out, Yeah, I say, how much money does the school spend per pupil on supply teachers? I mean, why you need to know this, I have no idea, but you can if you want to. You I, I, know, I know. <laughs> know, I know. Yeah, I know. Um, Full-time and, equivalents. And, and, well, you can find out like how much the they the premium
1: them. money, yeah. you know, how much money yeah. they get for pupil premium, yeah. um, which yeah. is, I, I suppose, if it's a school that I know well, yeah. then I'd look at it. If it's a school, like, you know, I'm a governor, then obviously I'd be interested in that. Um, if it's a school I'm I'm doing some work with, quite close work, then I would have a look at that. But as a whole, I, I I'm more sort of no, obviously exactly. I, I work in a world of, of results, I suppose I look at that. But yeah. actually, that's quite you, you're right. That's quite illuminating to to it see is. that you're right. Yeah. That, that, well, I that find is, it when you go in if you're looking of supply at supply
0: teachers, maybe or there's a exactly. lot of chain, turnover of staff. Average salary of teachers, for example, is a really good indicator as to, has has the school got an experienced teaching staff or have they got an inexperienced teaching staff? Um, And certainly from a teacher's point of view, you know, particularly if you're looking at um, moving schools or if you're looking at finding out a bit more about a school, that, that tells you quite a bit. You know, it's one of the things when I work with the Driver Youth Trust, one of the things mm. we always talk about is average tenure of teacher, because it's very different if, if the average teacher in your school has been there for three and a half years compared to if they've been there to 13 and a half years. Yeah, it's, it's just sure. that, the school's in a different position. Yeah, you know, yeah and sure. There's a the challenge. Is yeah. Different. So, yeah, so you can spend hours. I mean, not that anybody, well, other than people, data nerds like us. Well, I can't that, that's, that's time the big in. question. You know, that's yeah. the big question. Yeah. Who is looking at this data? Exactly. And, 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 who's it for? And
1: what is it for? And, and overwhelmingly, people who are going to look yeah. at it are going to look at results.
0: Yeah, You know, that's, what, what, that's the
1: main what... thrust of it is the results. Yeah. Uh, but you're absolutely right. To have a look at that underlying sort of contextual mm. information can give you maybe an idea about why the results are what they are. Yeah. Um, but, but so I have, I have various issues with it. Mm. I, I like it from a sort of, you know, this sort of selfish point. of view got, oh, look at all this data that I can yeah. look at. Mm. But who is it aimed at? Mm. It's in the public domain. So is it aimed at parents? How many parents really look at it? And the yeah. other problem is how many parents actually understand what they're looking at?
0: Yeah. Are they are they properly? Exactly. We discussed this at length at data buses things. Yeah, how how useful is this information? Are, are the people who are looking at the information? Are they getting the wrong end of the stick? And yes. Is there anything we can do to, to to improve their understanding of what all this actually means? Well, I, I
1: think this is yeah. a really yeah, I, I think it's a real it's a really good question. It's a really tricky one. So, mm. for example, we look at a school could be secondary or primary uh, mm. that has a primary score, a progress score of minus one point seven. Or a secondary has got a progress score of minus 3.5 or whatever. And it's deemed to be below average. uh, Mm. And it's got an orange box. And we, Mm. therefore, take below average to be an indicator of the school standards. We think this school is operating below average. The teachers are below average. The standards are below average. The children are below average. We think about... In hmm. in those sort of terms, where it, you know, I, I know head teachers of schools, spoken to, to teachers a lot uh, that that have that work in schools that have got a resource base. So yeah. they that within that year six cohort, there are fifteen children possibly with EHCPs or whatever, you know, hmm. not fifteen, but you know, they've got a lot of children in school with EHCPs, and then they've got you know a, a few of those children in year six that have had um, that that, have had, that don't sit the tests. Yeah. Uh, those children, and we talked about this, or assign those nominal scores. They get very low, uh, mm. might get very low progress scores, and but they are included in the results. Now, parents don't see any of that; uh, mm. they don't know that. All they see is below average. This school is below average. Mm. Uh, whereas, if they had that additional context mm. about the school, which I think that context should be first, so there should be more yeah. context first. So, anyone, the, the the viewer, the reader of that information, gets to understand the school. Before they start to look at the results, and mm. I think that rather having data, just numbers, because let's face it, yeah. how many people yes. really understand yes. what one point minus one point
0: seven means? Yes. It
1: requires more
0: narrative. Mm. Mm. I mean, I think the other issue with the, with the whole um, below and above average and well above well below is you're into that whole kind of michael gove nobody you know everybody can be above average thing you're going to think well unfortunately whether you like it or not if you're going to have that you know yeah it's like 20 percent of, uh, of the schools are going to be deemed to be below average it's about that no oh, well was... no
1: in, in primary uh yeah. it's, well in primary yes so it's about 20 isn't it yeah. it's, it's approximately 20 of schools are significantly below and they are split yeah. into a below band are orange and a well below band. That's right. And then 20% are, are significantly above and they're split into yeah. an above band, light green, and, mm. and, and a well above band, which is, is dark green.
0: Yeah, and uh, the thing with that is schools.
1: It's even worse. Second, secondary schools, thirty yeah. percent are yeah. are significantly below, and thirty percent are significantly below. I mean, I personally find it yeah. absolutely bonkers that the majority of schools can be statistically significant.
0: We've talked about this before. I find exactly. that completely nuts. Yeah. And the problem with all of that, of course, is well, is is that a problem? You know, if if you're going to take average, you're going to take these kind of statistics and you're going to say that some people are below and above average, well, of course, some people are going to be above and below average. You know, if, if the schools. average score is is reasonable, the question is how far are they from that average? Is it problem that they? that far from the average and that's kind of the issue that these these big data dumps it doesn't really give you any context to say is no, this an issue a, 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 the, yeah yeah i, and I think it...
1: you can and we i think we could yeah. do a better job of mm-hmm. of uh explaining this data better you know yeah. maybe not even present the data in the way that it's presented if you are yeah. going to present it in the way i think that the, mm. first first and foremost they need to have some context of the school they need yeah. to they need to know that i mean i've heard that i've, I've spoken to head teachers on a couple of mm. occasions quite recently who mm. have a resource base in their school and the OSTED yeah. inspectors aren't even aware of it <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> well, exactly.
1: so yeah. you're you know they come in and say your results aren't great and you go no are you aware that we've got this yeah. Resource based for special education needs, and I school. Like, oh no, I didn't know that. Oh, no, yes. now, you say it, now you say that. Oh, that, that's all changing. How everyone yeah. should be aware of this. So, yeah. so that's the first thing. Um, mobility is a is another issue. You know, um, mm-hmm. movement in and out of school. There are yes. other contextual factors. Yeah, you know, exactly. I know this all sort of deprivation. Yeah. Um, this sort of ethnicity, EAL languages, things like that are, are mm. all useful things to know about.
0: Exactly, and there's other things you know that, that within the context of this data, which I think again, if you're coming to it um, without much knowledge, let's say if you're a parent looking at it, um, and you're um, or a governor, and you don't know too much, and you look at it, the, you know, you're you're given these 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 figures which say you know average above average, and then that kind of steers you to think something about the school and the problem with that again you know you you have to drill down into the data at least there is now three three years worth of data you know there is some memory within the system because again one of my big criticisms with education data far too many times is there's no memory but at least here you can get the last three years you have to look for it but it's there yeah and then when you look at the last three years then you'll see that that schools move around all the time and that's kind of what should be happening at primary if you've got a relatively small intake if you're only taking 30 children in a year Um, then you would expect the the progress numbers to be moving from below to uh, average to above average, maybe even one year well above average, maybe one year well below average. And that's perfectly that's what you would expect. Well, this this is why, you know, in in
1: ASP, they've got the three year average um, uh, measure. So you just Mm. uh, if if you've only got small numbers of children, then, yeah, I mean, merging Mm. those three cohorts into one to create Mm. one bigger cohort um yeah. comprising three years worth it is is maybe that yeah. that's that's a sensible thing to do which you can get in ASP but I don't think they've, they've done that in the performance tables you do yeah. have three years of data so you can see things you going drill down. It, yeah. what people need to understand is that in in a primary school obviously and this is something else they could say that uh cohort has 30 children they're worth 3.3 percent mm. each you know so mm. having some idea of what the, the percentage value of a child and their impact on the results is so yeah. uh, it may be that you're five percent below national average but in many primary schools that won't even be a child yeah. Um, so that that's a, That's a sort of a, a, another thing.
0: Yeah. Um, and then finally, the thing we, the, the, which is always frustrating is the fact that so. The government call it a number of different things. So they call the performance tables. Oh, yeah. And then they've got this website, which is Compare School Performance, Find and Compare Schools, which is that's slightly better. But yeah. they've still used the word table. Now, I think that they're using the word table to mean like a big database or a big you know, Excel spreadsheet yeah. type table. Yeah. But, of course, the thing that jumps into people's heads is league tables because yes. they're used to looking at that. Yes. And when you look at the, the, the compare school things, as you know, as you know, suddenly you've got a whole list of schools that are kind of being placed in order yeah, um, absolutely. So, so, well,
1: you can. You can look up a local authority, can't you? Yeah, there's an option exact, to look for, for an example, individual yeah. school or there's an option to look for yeah. a local authority or a map. So many people do this. And I know local papers do this, don't they? They, they, they look yeah. for uh, I'm yeah. Gloucestershire, so they'll look up, they'll look up Gloucestershire. And yeah. then uh, you can rank schools in order by the chosen results. So it could be yeah. by the percentages achieving expected standards or it could be by progress. Mm. And then you get the schools at the very top. Uh, and the school's at the very bottom, yeah. depending on how you order it. So you and might order it looks order like it's a list, uh, from, like a
0: league table, yeah. and it's not. Because I did that yeah. For, for the, the Gloucester um, local. So authority. I had a quick look. So the top performing primary school, if you order them by reading, it's got a huge progress score. It's like yeah, plus, yeah, 7. yeah. plus 9. 7.9. Yeah. And it's got this mad confidence interval that, you know, because it's a small school. A small school, yeah. So it goes from you know possibly 3.6 to 12.1 would be our confidence interval. I mean, we've they, talked about confidence intervals and the problems with that, but they recognise that that's a fuzzy measure. Yeah, so and it overlaps.
1: These. So that, co- that school's confidence interval, they're, they're yeah. at the
0: very top. Yeah. Um, and then you can go, you know, into the 40s and you can find schools who've got confidence intervals that overlap the first school. Theoretically. Yeah, so,
1: so they've got, yeah, <laughs> yeah. got
0: another small school that's got a progress score of plus one point
1: something, yeah. one point eight, one point nine, yeah. plus two. And, and, and they've got a really big confidence interval that, yes, absolutely, very, very, you know, substantially overlaps yeah. that school at the top. Yeah. Um, I mean, the and other thing is. Yeah, you, it drives you nuts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and the other mm. thing is you, you don't you don't really know what you're looking at. So you see those progress scores. Yeah. And it may well be an indication of fantastic progress between Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2. Yeah. It may be that because of the context of the school. And this Mm. does happen. If you've got a lot of a high proportion of children whom English is an additional language, they may have low start points and make amazing progress. So it Mm. might be uh, that they have made uh, progress, but it might be a a cohort, uh, a, a kind of a context thing. Yes. Or it may be that that school just has weirdly low Key Stage One results.
0: Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, and Why I put would this that in be? You <laughs> yeah. know, that that,
1: that 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 there are schools that have, and there are schools that have very high Key Stage One results, and everyone will point the finger to the infant junior school relationship, but it happens in other in primary yeah. schools as well. Where back in the day they decided mm. everyone was level three, and then yeah. four years later at the end of year, what the hell did we do that for? <laughs> I remember yep. years ago a head teacher mm. saying. In a briefing, in in a, in a in in a public, you know, not a public meeting, a, a local authority meeting with other head teachers there, just mm. saying, Boulders Brass, we don't do mm. level three at Key Stage One anymore. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, yeah. we don't. So like yeah. we've given it up, mate. I've given yeah. up. It's like up smoking. I've given <laughs> yes. up level three. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. anymore. It was nope. ki- it was killing us. That was back yeah. in the days three levels of progress measure. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. um, know yeah, that. So you don't know what you're looking at. You could be looking no. at a school with mm. really poor progress, or you mm. might be looking at a school that had mm. really high Key Stage one that they overassessed at Key Stage one. Yeah. Um, who, who knows? Then you have the whole reading maths tested subjects versus yeah. writing teacher <laughs> assessment, and you Ooh. see these crazy things where yeah. you know. So, so you can imagine this, right? Schools yeah. got below average scores, progress scores in reading and maths and then uh, above-average progress score in writing. And that happens. And parents might look at that. Some might look mm. at that, accept it at face value, and go, oh, so children aren't very good at reading a maths, but they're really good at writing in the school. Yeah. <laughs> or it could be the other way around. and go, so they're great at reading a maths, but they're really poor at writing. Well, that—that's you could certainly take that. I've seen these examples but actually yeah. it's because they probably erred on the side of caution
0: or basically shot themselves in the foot with their writing um yeah. so yeah. you just don't know what you're looking at exactly and that's the thing and that's that's us you know with, with uh, when we've got fairly detailed understanding of this you know but you can imagine people coming to this new looking at it and thinking okay is this useful what does it tell me and i think that's the thing again so so really you know what should schools be doing what should what should parents be doing and what should the D- dfe be doing to to develop this because it I mean, clearly, having, right. inform- having information is better than not having information. But <laughs> or is it? Or well, is it? exactly. Is I don't it? know if information what would happen. Sends you in the wrong direction, exactly. Like, yeah. so, how
1: many parents look at this Well, stuff, true. Yeah. That it's going to be a small proportion of parents, and those that do, the fear, the, the, the real worry is that they mm. can they can base a judgment taking this data at face value without any uh, awareness of what those numbers mean. Of, yeah. of the way that they're calculated. They don't understand about the uh, sort of vagaries and uh, of mm. teacher assessment and, and the subjectivity of teacher assessment. Uh, mm. They don't understand about the the key stage one and, and the inaccuracy of key stage one results on which these measures depend. Or, uh, you know, I suspect there are secondary mm. teachers out there saying, uh, and don't forget key stage two results, thank <laughs> you very much, because we've yep. got a massive problem with those. So they don't understand how the progress is, is calculated. They don't mm. understand about sort of the, the confidence intervals. They don't understand about the impact of children with special educational needs on that versus children yeah. uh, with EAL children. Um, mm. So, there's all that. Oh, the nominal scoring system for children who don't sit tests, no mm. idea about that. Nope. So, all this stuff that goes on, all these various little loopholes and complexities and stuff, no idea. They just look and see an orange box and yeah. go, I'm not sending my kid there.
0: Yeah. And they're not aware of all the perverse incentives that schools and the perverse have incentives, if, absolutely. if you want
1: to massage your figures, you know. <laughs> you and know, and, and of, it's uh, well, who, I mean, yes, this is the crazy thing others, about, yeah. about primary mm. versus uh, secondary. Mm. Primary have some control because they have control over the start point. The case, yeah. Stage One result. Mm. And they have control over, say, writing. Yeah. They have less control over reading and maths, obviously. Mm. but secondary schools don't have that control they don't administer the Mm. i mean it'd be interesting to see what would happen if if the key stage two tests took place in a in a secondary school I it's a great know. thought
0: experiment as well isn't it you'd love yeah. to see somebody actually do it and actually do some key stage two assessment. well you'd need control groups wouldn't you yeah. you'd need at the same yeah.
1: t- so so groups mm. of children stay in the primary and then some groups of children go off to the secondary and they sit <laughs> yeah. in a drafty hall yeah. with someone looking very intimidating with a stopwatch well I say um, it's a great thought you, sorry, you say
0: what would it be like if rather than doing the key stage two um, tests in year six you did them in year seven you know, what, what would then come into yeah, play? Yeah, and you can yeah, see, yeah, you know, yeah, it, you, it doesn't yeah. take too long to realise that... I am not, by the way, listeners yeah. advocating that children should be
1: marched <laughs> from their primary school no. to the secondary school as much as some people.
0: Exactly. Let's not do that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, no.
1: exactly. Um, so I, I, but... I think that, I think that the, the performance tables, you know, they, they could be useful, mm. um, but I think that they lack explanation um, mm. and that's what worries me this that people might make decisions on mm. schools um, without, uh, w- without really fully appreciating what they're looking at and that's really worrying mm. um, and, and I would like it if there was more uh, narrative. And, and I think we can do a better job of context first. And then yeah. things like, you know, maybe we should get rid of... Prog- I mean, in primary, I am increasingly mm. coming around to the idea of getting rid of progress measures. I think mm. they're too flawed. And this mm. year, with the new Key Stage 1 results getting to the end of Key Stage 2, they're going to be, I think, worse. And then, of course, we've got the whole um, controversy over the reception baseline. Maybe mm. we can just present you know, the, the, the attainment and say, like, in this school, 56% of children achieve the expected standard in reading, writing, and math, but provide some context around that. So... Uh, this is below the national average, but is in line with um, the results of s- similar schools. Mm. You know, we've we've got these sort of families of schools now that like the EEF has developed, and you could mm. show how those results compared to those. I'm not trying to make, you know, shouldn't be making excuses, I suppose, or saying, oh, it's fine to have low results, mm. but maybe mm. providing some some information around, um, and and putting that alongside the context of like. They've got a high proportion of children with special education needs. This many children did not sit the test. This many children were new
0: to the country.
1: Mm. Who knows? Yeah. You know, you can make it much more meaningful by providing
0: yeah. um, that sort of information. Exactly. I mean, I just wonder, you know, for example, when you're looking at um, the, the, the list of schools that's been put in order of, of a progress measure, which we know is a, is an, is a fuzzy score, yeah. um, you know, you could you could present that with a, like a, um, you know, a box and whisker type. Uh, um, diagram next to it indicator so you can say you know as we do it elsewhere to say you know this is there's a big overlap here this school might be you know these schools are very similar because otherwise you end up the thing again my favorite you know Michaela school in secondary which which you know I've been to Michaela it's a fascinating place but they they're forever um, people saying oh they're fifth in England for their results Uh, and they are but that's only if you assume that that a progress measure is absolutely accurate yeah, um, and that it doesn't have a confidence in around it, and the, the DFE themselves put a confidence interval around it. I mean, they yeah. are certainly in the top fifty schools in the country. Yeah. but to say that they are fifth,
1: yeah, again, because it, I mean you just problem. rank them on pure results, and this is actually exactly. this is one of the one of the um, the, the issues with. Uh, the way that the and I, I, i'm just going to briefly mention the idsr actually uh, mm. the idsr presents those data in terms of quintiles you just rank mm. schools in order um, just based on those raw results and you show yeah. what quintile you're in now if you if we talked about small schools a minute ago small schools can jump around all over the place within those quintiles across those mm. you know, from the top to the bottom just because you know one child achieves or doesn't achieve you know just the way that results change year on year they just move mm. around it's not mm. very meaningful really and as you say they make a confidence interval Mm. Tell us if, if the confidence interval doesn't overlap, then uh, I mm. mean, this is one of the things. Um, if you look at uh, something like um, you know, GL assessment tests, mm. they put a little confidence interval around every score. So they yeah. say that if a child's score mm-hmm. is uh, you know, 103 and then mm. they're, they're, their, their score is 107, but the confidence intervals on the two respective scores, um, mm. they, they overlap. Uh, then actually there's not really any change we can't we can't say, yet, say that any whereas if they if they don't overlap then you know and i, I think that's that's that's
0: pretty useful yeah that's pretty useful exactly. and again so i think the my long and the short of these um tables is i think it would be useful to see if they can introduce some kind of narrative um to the process which would be really useful <laughs> yes. i think for for schools and parents they're certainly fascinating things go and have a look i say there's wormholes you can fall down but just be, you know, just hopefully, if you're listening to this, yeah. you're the kind of person who listens to this, we'd hope that you'd have a good sense that, you know, the, the information you're looking at, particularly where it's where it's um, attainment data, um, it's based on that and, and teacher assessment, then it's very fuzzy. Um, but there is some other information in there that, that you might find useful. Yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely. And um,
1: yeah. I, I I do... I, I do like the idea of providing more narrative. I definitely think. Let, let's face yeah. it, um, we have a we have a, a, a government, a, a new government. It's the it's Same as the old government um,
0: yeah. that are
1: in, in place now, um, and and that that does mean well, it's not quite the same as the old government, is it? <laughs> um, well, not in some ways, but in no, of schools. No. It would so, appear there's nothing uh, in their manifesto to say they're, they're going to change much, is there? No, no. The DFE no. performance tables are not going to go anywhere. Yeah, you know that's mm. definitely not yeah. going to change. So I think exactly. then no one's going to be scrapping those anyway anytime soon. No. So let's try and improve. I do think we can take, out, take a leaf out of the Ofsted IDSR book. Uh, that mm-hmm. has moved from you know, years ago. You know, we're wading through 101 pages of race report down to a six page IDSR. And that cool. is almost entirely narrative based. Perhaps mm-hmm. we can take a leaf out of that book. Perhaps that's a better way to present this information. It'd be far more meaningful to parents. And let's try and contextualize this information more.
0: time for our regular what everyone needs to know about slots so this month we're going to have a look at what everyone needs to know about the phonics screening check Um, the screening check was introduced in 2012 Um, it's administered in june each year and it takes between about five and ten minutes four and nine minutes is what i think the official guidance says for most children to complete and it requires them they've got to basically say 40 words um, out loud uh, which are then marked and checked um it's a standardized check in as much as it's um, all the administration is is standardized and it's become increasingly rigorous so there's very clear guidance about what what you need to do if you're administering the test um or the check because everybody check. again i always have to try and to say check but you do end up calling it a test because there's all kinds of strange things about it yes. um now the, the, there's a few things which i always talk when i'm talking to um people about the check just to say what goes on? So there's 20 words, 40 words you need to answer. 20 of which are actual real words, and then 20 of which are non-words. Interestingly, those are now um, imaginary creatures. Mm. So they're referred to as imaginary creatures. So the children mm. are told. So this word, like "dreck," is an imaginary creature. Um, and it's always interesting asking people why they think that is, because some yes. people really don't like the fact that. Do you remember that controversy? Was it? Was it 20? Um, was it 16? When there was "strom," which looked like "storm." yes I've seen this yeah, mm. discussed yes. so it's always discussed exactly and people yeah. worry about it because there are all these non-words now again just it's worth yeah. making it clear for um, those who aren't aware so the reason why you've got the non-words and the words is because that makes it more um, uh, gives those children who aren't particularly literate or don't have, grow up in very uh, literacy rich environments they have a Um, a better opportunity within the test if if the test was just all existing words then children who um, read lots outside of school and were well supported in their reading they Mm. would they would be artificially inflated so there's a mixture of the two so that you've got a mixture i mean there's an argument then to say well why don't you have 40 words that are non-words if that's what you're checking but we don't do that anyway so it's 20 and 20 and if you would never see it actually happen it is worth, actually, um, the DFE website's quite useful. I'll put this in the show notes so you can see there's a video that they've got on there, which came out in 2012, um, which shows what it's like when children uh, are, are saying the words. Because, you know, if you've never actually heard children using phonics, uh, it's interesting that they do sound out each phoneme, and then occasionally they'll yeah. say the word yeah. in itself or they'll put them together. Um, it's also quite interesting that I, the whole pass market spend standards. standard. Well, world, see, they, all... this is, yeah. So, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I,
1: I, I'm, this is what my, yeah, more, more my kind of interest really is that, yeah. uh, one, I mean, the, the, uh, the, the, pass has pretty much plateaued, hasn't it? So, yeah. It, we, we, we went up and up and up and up and up. Um, yep. And then we got to eighty, eighty one, eighty two. 82. I think it was, it was 83 last year, 82 this year.
0: Exactly. It's around about 80, like, around about and five children get yep. through. Yep.
1: And, and then, mm-hmm. of course, I'm when well, we were talking in the last segment about there being these sort of four statutory assessment points in a mm-hmm. in primary school, there aren't actually, I mean, there are five statutory assessment points because if a child yeah. doesn't pass it in year one, they have That's to right. try and do it again in year two. Um, mm-hmm. So children who, there might be a number of reasons, but I think the majority, as you, you, you were saying earlier, are,
0: have oh. special educational needs. Is, is yeah, right? so Certainly. So uh, so if you think four out of five children um, achieve the standard in year one, yes. um, uh, so 20% don't, um, roughly 20% of children have special educational That's needs right. yeah. within, yes. a, you yeah. know, in a typical Absolutely. class. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and of the children who have special educational needs, um, about 40% of children who've got identified um, special educational needs um, nationally, uh, they get the expected standard in year one. It's about 60% by the time you get to year two um so actually a lot of the children who are struggling with phonics guess what are those children who struggle with school for various reasons yeah, you yeah. know with, with identified yeah. okay. needs which we we, we yeah. work with um so yes yeah, so there's that i mean that isn't to say that if you've got special educational needs that you're not going to get the expected standard i say no of say that the children do yeah. um but yeah there's a group that don't and then they they go on to retake it in um year two and the thing in year two because it's a standardized assessment they have to take it at the same time they can't do it just whenever so no. they do it in the same week in june um, so that you can standardise that against all the other children yeah. who are taking it yeah. for the second year in June. And, and month of birth, I assume, is a, another one. If you've got younger children, that's going to... It does affect things, exactly, and it's not taken into account in the official numbers, but schools no. might have a look at that. Um, no. And again, you know, there's, there's, there's very clear evidence that summer-born children... Um, uh, don't do as well as the autumn-born children. Which again, you know, if you're aware of age, then um, then you'll be aware of that. But amazingly, a huge numbers of people aren't. So again, it is really useful. And there's a little bit yep. of an issue with the with the screening check nationally. It would appear that children who who don't get um, achieve the standard in year one, but do in year two. Their results, um, their, their um, key, set, key stage one reading results are not as good as their peers who got through the check, who, who got the accepted standards. So yeah. there's a bit of a suggestion that nationally schools might be focusing too much time on phonics in year two. So there's a bit of a thing. But anyway, that's broadly, there's broadly things which um, schools need to know. If you're in year two, you've got to make sure. And I think most people probably hopefully do this. You've got to make sure that you're teaching comprehension as well as decoding. Yeah, um, so that those children they don't lose out on, on the teaching of and the development of comprehension.
1: Yeah,
0: which yes, they could do. Yeah, the, the the thing that
1: obviously really fascinates me and it crops up every year is mm. the graph. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah, the the graph. The uh, standard. Which if, exactly. you, if you go to the DF, if you Google DFE statistics, mm. uh, and then you scroll down, you find the Key Stage One section, the Key Stage One link. Then you'll find the, the phonics data in there. And mm. there is a report in, in there which shows the um, the graph we're talking about. So it shows the percentages yeah. of children achieving mm-hmm. that uh, the expected standard uh, in year one and by the end of year two over time. So it shows it from year uh, 2012 onwards. So that's quite useful. Uh, yeah. They're good little reports, those actually. They've got a lot of mm. data in. And uh-huh. then they've got the graph, which shows yeah. the numbers of children nationally yes. achieving... Each of the marks, so achieving yep. no marks, one mark, two mark, three up to 40. And of course, exactly. we watch the line moving along, hovering oh. along the very bottom. Hardly any children achieving... Yeah. A few between hundred not nationally, is that right? Yeah, and Getting then it gets to 32, and it is like Ben yep. Nevis, isn't it? Just like yeah, just boom, just shoots it just up. shoots up. It yep. is very, very steep. Oh. Um, and uh, that, that I always found interesting. The first year they did it, Mm. Where they announced the pass mark in advance.
0: Yeah, they told everybody it was going to be, 32. They told 32 every going to be thirty two. It's been twenty-two every year. <laughs> but the what first we year they told was, us it was in advance. Yeah.
1: What we saw on that graph,
0: I think, was there was a
1: dip at thirty-one. That's right. Hardly so children yeah, a few hundred children or yeah. maybe a thousand children achieved uh, thirty. Yep. But there were more no children one achieved 30 30 thirty-one. And then exactly. bang, up yeah. it went. And there used to be this like little um, like little Batman kind of ear at the top mm. of the peak. Because no, loads of children got thirty-two, and then it, it sort of dropped back down again.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I think that was a thing in the first. Anyway, um, I mean, we all yeah. kind of know that it's going to be thirty-two. They don't announce it in advance, but then mm. you know, sure, sure enough, it's thirty-two. <sighs> yeah. Exactly. So it's 32. I, the graph, I think, yeah. is interesting. Yeah. I wonder mm. what that graph would look like mm. if it wasn't. Of course, we'd never going to see this. You know, mm. but yeah. it's like if a tree falls in a wood. That sort of if if, if no one collected the data. Yeah. What would that graph look like? <laughs> well, exactly. If it was yeah, just yeah. used purely for diagnostic mm. purposes, yeah. and it wasn't,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. No, if it wasn't, it wasn't being collected, and it, it didn't have some. Again, it is theoretically low stakes; it is theoretically a check, um, but but you're ranked in order <laughs> schools, on the IDSR,
1: yeah, yeah exactly. um, mm. and there there's mm. plenty of uh, evidence that, that certainly mm. these mm. results in phonics are linked to key stage mm. one. They're yeah. done, you know. That's done nationally, and Ofsted inspectors would, would do that. You know, look yeah. at the proportions of children who achieved phonics that went on to achieve the expected standards in reading at Key Stage One, and then maybe mm. at Key Stage Key Stage Two as well. So I, I think that yeah. you know you can't we can't really say. And this is another mm. this is another concern about the supposedly low stakes multiplication yeah. tables check. Uh, that the data will be in ASP and will be made available to Ofsted. So mm. that sounds pretty high stakesy to me. Yeah. Exactly
0: and it is fascinating again the, the 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 when you look at the data in particular the graphs of the data the interesting points are around the expected standard mark which as i say has been 32 out of 14 the whole way through um so around there but also the 38 plus because that's where you're getting everything right and again that that's that's jumped around year on year depending on you know because the because the phonics check comes out each year but mm-hmm. the data broadly tells us that actually Most people, children are now being taught phonics um, well enough so that they get the expected standard. The children who don't achieve the standard, um, a good percentage of them have special educational needs. Some of them don't, but they may have emerging issues, but they don't. And uh, again, there are some issues within school just thinking about making sure that you're you're helping children in year two as they go through. So do do you think hmm. think for that graph then, do you think Hmm. that is what you'd expect? Do you think it's right or do you think it's odd? Well, I mean, it is fascinating the fact that there's, if you look at the graph, there's, there's very few children who are getting less than the expected standard and, and more. About. No, I've, I don't. Do I think it's odd? I think if you're teaching phonics well and the way which um, uh, the phonics check works, the majority of children should be able to d- decode words using um, phonics. So you'd expect them to be getting most of the answers right. Um, whether you'd expect a very steady climb from 31 to 32 all the way up to 40, which is what you tend to see. That's interesting. That's mm. interesting. Yeah. Mm. yeah, but there we go. I, hopefully, if you've never seen the phonics screening check in uh, in um, it being administered, I say go and have a look at that video. It's really useful. Um, and if you are in year three, four, five, then you should have access to information yeah, about absolutely. your class yeah. because uh, yep. children may have not reached that check, or they may have been very close to it. And you, you, re- it's really worth knowing who are the children in your class who haven't had any problem with phonics, and those who are hovering you know if you're, if you're getting five or six of those wrong that's interesting um and certainly even maybe year seven teachers it's probably worth at least knowing which the children didn't pass or didn't get the expected standard in year one or year two yeah um and, and i say that information isn't usually around and this is the thing which we keep talking about you know if you're thinking about your tracking system and what are you yes, actually definitely. putting in there so that people got access to it it's a key thing that you should have access to yeah you know, de- why would definitely you not... I mean, all
1: teachers and yeah. it is amazing how we you yeah. know we bring this up in our data busting yeah. uh tools and when i when i do sessions with schools. And you mentioned this. It still surprises me how many teachers are unaware of the prior attainment of children in front of them. And yeah. I mean by prior attainment, I don't mean last year's teacher assessment. Necessarily. I mean the statutory assessments, whether that child achieved a good level of development at key stage. Um, At foundation stage and if they didn't achieve good level development which were the early learning goals that they didn't achieve it in you know what um, did they achieve phonics in year one did they achieve it if they didn't did they achieve it by the end of year two what were their scores Did they get them all right or um and 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 what their key stage one results what did what were their uh, what was the comparison between their scaled scores at key stage one and their teacher assessment at key stage one were those in alignment or they're a bit kind of out of kilter you know there's 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 Mm a lot of Information and that's the purpose of having a tracking system is to. Mm. I think the primary purpose of having a tracking system is to keep teachers informed. It's yeah. not to report to. Well, it's clearly not to report to Ofsted inspectors now because they're not going to look at that. Stuff. No, exactly. So, so therefore, think it about, about what you're keeping doing. teachers informed. That should be a yeah. rich source of information to hopefully uh, yeah. help you do your job better uh, keep you informed about the, 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 where children
0: are at or where they've come from. Absolutely. Good. So I think that hopefully we've covered what everybody needs to know about um, point screening check. If you've got any comments or questions or anything you want to share with us, then please do get in touch. Well, we're almost done for this month. The Data Busters podcast is published monthly during the academic year, and it's available on all good podcast outlets. And if you like what we're doing, then please do re- recommend us to other people. If yes. you've got any questions, then feel free to send uh, – you can send a voice recording into us via um, yep. Anchor. Or you can contact us on Twitter. I'm now – I'm at Data Busting now. I used to be Jack Marwood, but I'm at Data Busting. Um, or Jamie at J Pembroke. Usual oh. place. Absolutely, um, and also, uh, if you want to find out more about the current data landscape and what you need to know, then uh, we've got our data busting tour. We have, we have. We have. So yep. we've
1: got uh, we've got dates in uh, Peterborough on yep. the twenty first of January,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then we've got one in it's the 29th in Cheshire and the thirtieth in Liverpool
0: that's right yep you can
1: find the liverpool Dace busting if you if you just google uh Mm -hmm. sorry go go to eventbrite and Mm -hmm. and search for Dace busting liverpool uh you'll find us there at the crosby um adventure center lakeside center which is Mm -hmm. a fantastic venue because you can go and see um at lunchtime you can go and walk over dunes and see anthony gormley's uh, statues as well um out there on the beach which is a wonderful experience so uh, you get the the double whammy there of getting (laughs) to see us um, and and going to see um, a a great uh, art exhibition as well
0: so what more could you ask for data and art in one day which is the artful data that's what we like to see excellent no definitely and, and if you do want to come along to any of these things do get in touch with us and we can we can uh, accommodate people we'd love to have you come um, and uh, I say um, find oh there's out a Bolton what, uh... one isn't it
1: we've got a Bolton one I think in yeah he's coming
0: into February so yeah, yeah we've got a few coming up yeah. in February and we're, we're quite busy into February and March um, yeah and then we're looking at um, uh, booking a few things in April in May as well course. exactly yeah. yeah we should be in Yorkshire in, in March yeah, like, yeah yeah watch this yeah. space as they say absolutely Excellent. So in the meantime, um, uh, I hope everybody has a, an excellent festive break. Um, yes. Feel free to get in touch. Um, uh, share your thoughts on anything data related. Um, and uh, keep data busting. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody.